Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. When COVID forced us to fold up our old lives and pack them away for the foreseeable future. The simple pleasures in life suddenly meant so much more. Baking, birdsong, taking the dog for a walk. But now, the pandemic seems to have cast a dark shadow over that too. A young man came up behind him and uh, punched him in the lower back and shoved him to the ground. He had to let go of the lead and then both men ran away laughing together with Ted on the lead with them. I heard barking in a vehicle outside the hedgerow and I never saw Hazel since at that point. I have a dog called Nala who has recently been stolen on the 18th of February 2021 by who we think is a man who was following her dog walker's van. Dog theft is reportedly on the rise, but what's fueling this crime spree? And what can be done to stop it? This has become a very lucrative market for criminals to exploit. We've got evidence of some organised crime groups adapting their criminality. This is a very serious issue. It's, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible, quite frankly. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, dog theft. Inside the canine crime epidemic. As if coronavirus wasn't bad enough, families across the country are being hit by another fear that's spreading fast. I'm Lucinda Jasper, and I'm the daughter of Ted's owner, Mike. When Ted was stolen a few months ago, Lucinda and her family were left reeling. But they're not alone. There's been an estimated 250% rise in dog thefts since the pandemic began. Ted is a very happy and excitable Sprocker Spaniel, which is um, Springer Spaniel and Working Cocker Cross. He is just the biggest softy and just the most happiest dog we've ever known, to be honest. I mean, my dad's had dogs his whole life. Dogs have been a major part of his life. He's done dog training and he's run his own kennels and things like that. And the thing he always says is that he's never owned a dog like Ted. He's never known a dog to be just so unconditionally happy all the time. 
the odd occasion that you do have to kind of, you know, tell him to go get in his bed because he's done something naughty. He goes and gets in his bed and then his tail immediately starts wagging and you can hear it hitting the ground. So he was just one of those really lovable, cuddly dogs that just always wanted to be with my dad. And how long did your dad have Ted? What made him get Ted? Ted's going to be three in end of April. So uh, we've had him about two and a half years now. Ted was actually a present from my mum for his birthday. And she said, let's, you know, let's get Ted for for my dad because he had a quite a severe mental breakdown about four years ago. He suffered with severe depression and anxiety. And it basically just meant that he went from being a very kind of outgoing, confident person who didn't ever suffer with, you know, anxiety at all to suddenly being you know, very depressed, unable to cope with life in general, not leaving the house, no real routine and just really, really struggling. And he got a lot of support from his doctor who was trying to help, but nothing was really working. And we were struggling to, you know, support him the best we could because as a family, we were obviously trying to think of new things, but he didn't really want to talk to people. And he just really, really struggled. I think going from someone who's never really had any issues with his mental health to suddenly having a complete breakdown. It was just such a shock to his system that he had no coping mechanisms whatsoever. And so mum thought that getting him a dog might offer him some some comfort for when, you know, she's at work. She still works part-time. Yeah. Me and my brother have obviously left and moved house and we no longer live with our parents. So he was at home alone for the majority of week by himself. And I think that was what was really causing quite a few issues. So mum said, let's, you know, let's get him a dog. Let's get him some routine, someone that he has to get up and get out of bed for because there's no choice. And that's exactly what Ted did. He just completely changed my dad's life, really. It just became his companion, his everything. It was quite amazing to see, to be honest, because, you know, we'd tried medication, we tried therapy, we tried counselling. And while they all helped, the only thing that really made any massive difference in his mental health was Ted. It was just such a massive influence on my dad. What sort of impact did he have? How did it alter your dad? I mean, before the attack, my dad was saying, you know, he finally felt like he was returning back to the person he once was. You know, it was quite a, a difficult time that we went through with my dad's mental health. He he just completely changed in in his personality and he really struggled with that in terms of his anxiety being able to leave the house and wasn't able to go to sort of you know restaurants or up into town and things like that and Ted was just such a, a comfort to him so you know if he was feeling anxious Ted wasn't the lively you know spaniel that he normally is he would just go and sit with my dad and rest his head on his knee and be very much a sort of calm comforting influence over him and then at other times you know when dad wanted to sit on the sofa all day and sort of stare into the abyss he couldn't because Ted needed a walk and it was that you know getting up getting dressed going for a walk getting that fresh air that would then sort of make him realize that actually he can do this he just needs to to take that step and yeah, and it was just, they did absolutely everything together. You know, the the only times that my dad couldn't take Ted with him was when he used to do the shop. And then Ted would sit by the front door and, and wait for him. And But it, that's just the, the relationship they had. It was very much, you know, they were each other's company. And yeah, wherever one went, the other wanted to follow. So been really, really tough for my dad to be separated for Ted. And just really upsets me to think about how sad Ted must be feeling as well, because my dad was his world, basically. 
Ted is definitely a family member. Yes, he's a dog, but he is also part of our family. You know, it was it was a very stressful and upsetting time for the family to see someone who has always been so strong and and stable to go through such a a difficult period with with his mental health in terms of depression. It was just so nice to be able to see him come out of that and actually sort of start to show what he used to be like. It was a day like any other in lockdown. Mike, Lucinda's father, took his dog Ted for a walk in Cannon Hill Common after a visit to his allotment. It was 10 o'clock in the morning when a man approached him and my dad just said immediately that something just felt odd. Something didn't feel right about this guy. He just didn't look like someone who wanted to be there. And then he just started asking my dad lots of questions about Ted. How old was he? Had he been done? What kind of temperament was he? What was his age? Does he bite? And my dad didn't answer any of these questions. He just sort of shrugged at the man and then called Ted over because he was currently off the lead to put him on the lead. And the guy laughed at him and just said, what, do you think I'm going to steal your dog? And again, my dad just ignored him. But at that point, another man came up behind him and uh, punched him in the lower back and shoved him to the ground and then stood on his hands. He had to let go of the lead. And then both men ran away laughing together with Ted on the lead with them. It was just a really horrible and brutal attack. And to have the absolute, you know, audacity to actually say to someone, you know, do you think I'm going to steal your dog? And then actually steal their dog in a violent attack... I just, yeah, I can't really understand what kind of person can do that to another human being. It's just, you know, my dad's 66. He's yeah, he's not he's not old by any means, but he's also not a young man. So these were men in their, I say men, I don't really like to call them men because I don't believe they are. But, you know, these were people in their, their late 20s. And, you know, they ran away and my dad got up and immediately started trying to, to follow their direction. But... Yeah, a 66-year-old man sadly isn't going to keep up with with two men in their, their late 20s. I'm Amelia Gabaldoni. I'm currently the editorial assistant at the Sunday Times magazine. Amelia has been investigating the spate of dog thefts for the Sunday Times magazine, and she spoke to a number of people who'd been robbed of their pets. What did you find as you looked into it? Tell me a bit about some of the the victims you spoke to. The people I spoke to, one had two dogs stolen, one of which was returned thanks to a massive social media campaign, but one was still missing. And the the dog that she hadn't managed to recover was one that was worth a lot more money because it was a, a quite young female dog who hadn't been spayed. So she was definitely being used for breeding. Another was a 15 and a half year old mongrel who was a rescue dog from Italy who belonged to a family from southwest London who was stolen while they were on holiday in what they think was a more opportunistic theft. They sort of someone saw this dog at the end of a driveway and they took it just on the off chance that it might be worth something and they still sadly haven't found that dog either. And the the other woman I spoke to for the piece ran an an animal therapy centre. So she looks after horses and dogs and she has disadvantaged children come and stay for a few hours and use the animals as therapy animals. And she had a dog stolen again from the end of her driveway by someone who was driving past, had noticed it and thought that might be worth some money. Has dog theft actually gone up? So Dog Lost, who are a charity that helped to find, or to reunite both 
dogs that have run away and dogs that have been stolen, their figures show that the theft numbers are up by about 170%. And some counties have reported a 250% rise in the thefts. But the difficulty there is that the data on dog thefts isn't very robust because a lot of the time if if a dog is stolen alongside other goods, it's not listed specifically as a dog theft, it's just listed as a theft. And there's been research done by Pet Theft Reform, so a campaigner called Dan Allen, who's a geographer at Keele University. He thinks that maybe there's about 2,000 dog thefts a year, but is convinced that the number of it is much, much higher and that in lockdown, it's gone way up. So why has dog theft risen so much during the pandemic? And is organised crime playing a part? We'll have more in just a moment. For remarkable stories from around the world every day, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times. To celebrate spring, you can save 50% on full digital access if you join today. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash sale forward slash stories of our times. Do you remember what it's like being in your 20s? I sometimes look back at that period of my life and laugh just as much as I cringe. If you do the same, then you've got to watch Queenie, the new original series on Hulu. Who is Queenie? Queenie is a 20-something year old living in London. She's facing all the firsts. First major heartbreak, first shitty apartment and soul-sucking job, first therapy session to work through those mommy issues. Can she turn her quarter-life crisis into a revolution? Maybe. Will she make some questionable decisions along the way? Definitely. The new series Queenie is now streaming on Hulu. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. Scrolling through social media these days, Facebook and Twitter are filled with desperate pleas for information about missing dogs. Hiya, my name's Melina and I have a dog called Nala who has recently been stolen on the 18th of February 2021 by who we think is a man who was following her dog walker's van while she was dropping the dogs home after a long walk. He then drove off with the car with three other dogs inside, including Nala, but two of them have actually been found, and one outside of London, and Nala hasn't been found yet, but we are so, so hopeful that we are going to 
find her. I cannot believe how many people have shared our posts and supported us and are looking out and are doing everything they can to make sure she's found before her one year birthday. And if you hear her name or you hear anything about it, please let me know. Thank you so much. Britain has long been known as a nation of dog lovers, but the pandemic has brought that into even sharper focus, as Amelia Gabaldoni from the Sunday Times magazine explains. Part of what's driven it in lockdown is, is that everyone has got a bit more time at home, so they think that a puppy is a great project, which for a lot of people it definitely can be. But when I was speaking to people who'd had dogs stolen, they were very worried about where people were getting dogs from and whether that was stimulating dog theft. Right. Because a lot of people had friends, and this was a, across the spectrum of people I spoke to from lots of different backgrounds. They all said they had friends who, who had turned a blind eye to where they bought their dog from. They sort of might have known something was off when they were looking at a litter of puppies, but thought, oh, you know what? I really want a dog. It's really difficult to get one through any other means. I'll just buy it anyway. The rise in pet crimes has left some people desperate. Amelia spent time with a pet detective who investigates cases of dog thefts, gathering evidence and clues in an attempt to return dogs back to their owners. But this unusual service comes at a cost. The pet detective I went and shadowed was... Colin Butcher. I'm a pet detective and I've been doing this line of work now for about 15 years. Last year was the worst year on record for dog theft. It was primarily uh, because the supply wasn't meeting demand. Yes, demand did go up, but the normal channels of getting puppies to the buyers from Ireland and Europe simply stopped because of the movement of people in and out the country. He runs the UK Pet Detectives Agency. I think people seem to turn to pet detectives as more of a last resort when they have either exhausted social media posting or the police have said that they can't take their investigation further for whatever reason. And what they tend to do is sort of look locally. They conduct it like a, a police investigation, really. And it really was like a sort of CSI investigation. He had gone around and interviewed people in the local area, found witnesses that had seen a specific car driving very fast up and down the roads. He compiled lots of evidence. So it was a very thorough investigation. Every investigation starts exactly the same way. We we speak at length to the owner of the missing animal to get an understanding of what's occurred. Yes, this is a business, but at the end of the day, just to witness the joy on people's faces when they get their, ba- their, their pets back is incredible. I'm Detective Superintendent Neil Austin, and I'm the head of OPAL, which is a national intelligence team looking at serious organised acquisitive crime. So, Neil, tell me, you must have a, a really good overview of the sort of crimes that are taking place across the country. Why has there been a rise during the pandemic? I think during the period of lockdown, the demand for puppies and dogs has increased considerably, which has led to a, a considerable increase in the price of them. This may be because people are at home more, so they want a pet. This has become a very lucrative market for criminals to exploit. We've got evidence of some organised crime groups adapting their criminality, take advantage of the situation, uh, and obviously make money from this sort of criminality. Are these sort of random individuals who've just, you know, walked past and it's an opportunistic crime, or is this, is this now the work of gangs? Is this more organised? So I think what we're seeing is some of these organised crime groups are adapting their criminality take advantage of a change in the market, 
and also adapting to sort of changing circumstances such as the COVID lockdowns. I think we're seeing the opportunist criminal that sees a dog maybe tied up outside the shop or in a garden unattended where they'll steal the dog. However, we've got evidence also where we're seeing a large number of dogs being stolen, puppies being stolen, and we've recovered a number of dogs, which clearly shows it is, it is organised crime. If dog theft is now part of organised crime, are the police doing enough to fight it? Here's Lucinda again with her family's experience of the police when Ted was stolen. They were helpful in terms of they immediately drove round looking for them and they put the word out so they had other units in the area looking for these people as well. Sadly, I kind of have mixed feelings about the police since. I feel very sorry for them because I appreciate that they are a very overstretched service and, you know, they're very underfunded and they don't have all the means to do what I'm sure they would like to. But sadly, the response we have received hasn't been great. You know, they came to take a statement three days later and basically kind of just informed my dad that, you know, well, yeah, it's difficult because it's a robbery. And, you know, if you paid £400 for Ted, then we have to classify this as basically they've taken £400 from you. They just seem to be very focused on, you know, oh, did did we have insurance to claim that money back? And at that point, I was ready to sort of scream at them. But thankfully, my mum and dad were far more composed than I was and was like, well, that's not the point. It's, you know, he's he's priceless to us. He's a family member. You wouldn't say that to someone if they'd taken someone's child or, you know, someone's mother. You, would, you wouldn't even talk about how much their monetary worth is. Unfortunately, with the law the way it is, there isn't, you know, a separate law for pet theft. As things stand, dog theft is seen as no different to the theft of an inanimate object, the same as having your iPhone or your laptop stolen, when clearly, for their owners, the loss of a dog means so much more. There are calls for the government to reclassify dog theft as a crime in its own right, and the Home Secretary, Priti Patel, has promised to look at tougher measures to stem what she described as the absolutely shocking recent rise in thefts. In terms of the criminality, because obviously that is the piece that sits with me, not the sentencing, um, what we might be able to do in laws to absolutely go after these individuals that are stealing so, pets and making money out of this. So a new law is on the way? Well, I'm not going to say a new law is on the way. I'm not going to promise something that's not going to be delivered, but I, I am looking at this right now. This is a very serious issue. It's, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible, quite frankly. So I want to work with him and others in terms of how we can make something work here. Ted is such a big part of our family that to us it was everything. But to them, I yeah, I appreciate they probably get, you know, 30 calls a, a minute on different stuff that's going on. So they have to prioritise in some way, but... As a family member of a victim, it's still very hard to hear the fact that, you know, it's it's not seen as a devastating crime that it should be. It's sadly, it's just a robbery and, you know, a fairly low, low level robbery at that. And what do you think needs to change? So really, I think the law needs to change in terms of what happens to people when they steal other people's dogs or pets in general. It, you know, it's it's not sufficient as it is, that needs to change. And then once that change, hopefully the police will be able to to treat these crimes differently. I think, you know, if there was a much severe sentence on 
someone stealing your dog, then the police will have more more power to investigate it further. But we were very much kind of told that it was down to us to go out and find the leads. And has that investigation and the Facebook page and all of the, the publicity and the people coming forward, has that helped a bit? So thankfully, our Facebook campaign has has really taken off. We've we've just reached 21,000 people in our Facebook group. That for us has been a massive tool, but I can't imagine what other people must be going through if they don't have the sort of coverage we got, which was, we did get quite a lot of coverage because it was a man in his 60s attacked in daylight, which I just think most people, they just don't expect that to happen. How is your father now? How is he coping? He is very much a broken man. He just can't cope being separated from Ted. He really struggles. He blames himself a lot, no matter how much we tell him, you know, it's not his fault. Someone attacks you from behind while someone's distracting you. You know, no, none of us would have been able to handle that situation any differently. But he just, he 100% feels like he, you know, he should have done more. He should have, he should have stopped them. So... He blames himself. He, yeah, just can't really cope with being separated from Ted. He just, he has nightmares every night. He just re relives what happened to him, the attack, every night. He's just not sleeping. And sadly, he's also got PTSD, so he isn't able to leave the house other than to take my mum to work in the car. But he, he can't leave the house to go for a walk now, sadly. He can only travel places if it's in a car and then it's going somewhere. Sadly, I just don't, I don't see him getting better unless Ted comes home. So it kind of feels like as much as I am searching for Ted because we want him home and we want him safe and can't imagine how they're treating him. But I kind of also feel like I've got to do it in order to save my dad as well because I don't see how he's going to, to cope without him. What would you like the people who took Ted to know? To them, he is just a, a monetary figure. You know, they're, they're either going to sell him on or they're going to use him in some way. But to us, he is everything. He is family. He is such an important part of my dad's life. But we're not going to give up. We're, we are getting lots of information in and we're just going to continue fighting and searching for Ted until he is home. So if they're, if they're hoping that one day, you know, we're going to stop bringing this sort of attention and this heat onto the subject and and onto Ted, that is not the case. We're never going to give up. They have two lives in their hands, really. It's Ted and my dad's. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Amelia Gabaldoni from the Sunday Times magazine, Lucinda Jasper, and Detective Superintendent Neil Austin, who's the commander of Operation Opal, the national team investigating serious and organised theft. The producer was Sevda Morisari, the executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Carla Patella. If there's a story that you'd like us to look into, an idea for a future episode, or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do get in touch. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times 
and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>